You know, pain is a lonesome place. I don't have to tell you, do I? It'll drop a rock in your stomach right through your pounding heart. And when your knees are so weak, you hit the ground and you finally realize you don't got this. Well, now you might just make it. You see, the tallest tree may not weather the storm, but its roots do. So dig in, stand up, and let the wind blow. Because there's hope. Good morning. Good day to be at church, good day to gather as God's people to worship Him. Uh, welcome, my name is Dave and I want to start by saying hello to everybody across New Life, whether you're at the North Platte campus or Ogallala or you're connecting with us online or even if you're here at the Kearney campus, let me hear from you guys. We're in a series, Hope in the Dark, and today is the final message in this series. It's been an incredible series. We've been looking at this book of Habakkuk, and uh, really, I, as I kind of was preparing for this message, I really feel like, maybe more so than other teaching series, this one is really just one long message that we had to break up into three parts because you guys probably don't want to be here for two hours at one time, all right? It's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Tolkien, when he wrote Lord of the Rings, he intended it to just be one book, and then when it got to the publisher, the publisher was like, this is way too long, and so they broke it into three, three stories, three parts. Uh, if you are here today and you haven't seen one of the first two Sundays in this, in this series, then my hope and my prayer is that you're going to be intrigued when you walk out of here, and you're going to walk out of here with something that you're like, man, i got to go back and i got to catch part one and part two. You can do that at mynewlifechurch.com. Uh, you can watch things on demand there. And then you can kind of see the whole picture of Habakkuk. Well, let me get you just a little bit of context today in case this is your first Sunday with us. Habakkuk was written approximately 600 years before Jesus was born. Habakkuk was a prophet to God's people. And he was kind of a unique prophet. And then typically, prophets would hear from God. And they would then be God's mouthpiece to his people. And, and they would speak to God's people, whatever they just heard from God. And Habakkuk kind of goes the other way. He looks at what's going on with God's people, and he goes to God. And he wrestles with God, and he asks questions of God. And so Habakkuk uh, doesn't necessarily like what he hears from God either. Because when he goes to God, God tells him, hey, my people, they've been rebelling They've been walking away from me, and so I'm going to bring in a more powerful group of people, the Babylonians, and I'm, I'm going to execute my judgment on my own people by raising up someone that's going to conquer them. Now, from this spot where it's really just kind of a, a one-way conversation, if you will, I'm not here to tell you that if you're in the dark right now, it's God's judgment, that you've, you've wronged God, you've walked away from him, or you've rebelled or sinned. That's not for me to do. That'd be a very dangerous thing for me to try to do. And so today, I want you to think of the dark not as necessarily God's punishment for, your, for you and your actions, but rather just the dark is any challenging season in life. The dark is when life is difficult. It could be 
that God is wanting to work something out in your life. It could be that he's allowing you to go through something so that you grow more dependent upon him. It could be the darkness could be out of your own doing. Okay, whatever the case is, the dark that we're talking about today is really just when life is difficult, when life is challenging. You see, the dark gets the best of us when we don't feel like there's anything that you can do about it. When we find ourselves in the dark, a lot of times we, we lack hope, we feel helpless because we feel like things are out of our control, that there's nothing that we can do without good reason. You were fired from your job or you're dealing with cancer or another difficult health diagnosis. All the talk of COVID and, and masks has you stressed out. It's giving you anxiety and you feel like there's nothing that you personally can do. You're praying and you're praying and you're praying and you're not hearing God answer your prayer. When it seems like there's nothing you can do about the situation you're in, life can appear to be hopeless. And the idea that there's nothing you can do, the enemy loves that. He wants you to buy into that lie that there's nothing you can do while you're in the dark. You just got to tough it out. He wants you to feel trapped. He wants you to feel like there is absolutely no hope for you. This series, though, has been about what you can do when life is not good. In week one, Pastor Jeff kicked us off, and we talked about how when we find ourselves in the dark, we should embrace God and we should wrestle with him. When you think about wrestling with somebody, you can't wrestle with them unless you're close to them. And when you're in the dark, you want to be close to God. Habakkuk's name means to embrace God, to wrestle with God. And then last week, Pastor Chris, in week two, uh, covered chapter two of Habakkuk, where you want to position yourself to hear from God. And when you do, then you want to write out what he says, and then you want to wait out God in his perfect timing. Those are two things that you can do. You can wrestle with God in the dark, and you can wait on God's perfect timing while you're in the dark. And today you'll see there's a third action that's crucial when you find yourself in the dark. It's something that can usher hope into your life. It's good for your body. It's good for your soul. It's good for your spirit. It can give you a mountaintop moment in your faith, even while the circumstances of your life are still in the valley. So let's pick up in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, he's embraced and wrestled with God. He's heard from God and he's waiting on his perfect timing. And then he chooses to do something that shifts the entire tone of the book of Habakkuk. Let's take a look at verse 1 and verse 2. It starts out, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I think maybe that's why they asked me to preach today. I'm going to sing the rest of my message to you. I'm just joking. All right. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works in this time of our deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. So on the heels of wrestling with God, God telling him to wait, Habakkuk begins to worship. He begins to sing this prayer to God, and he chooses to worship in the waiting. And this shifts the entire tone of the book. Weeks one and two, we didn't have necessarily this happy ending. But here we have some hope when Habakkuk begins to worship in the waiting. There are two bookends to chapter 3 that make this clear. The first one we've already read, that it starts out by saying this is a prayer. 
that Habakkuk was singing. He was worshiping with these words that we're about to take a look at. And then at the end of the chapter, you'll see this note. It's almost like a footnote. It would be easy if you're reading through your Bible to even kind of skip over this. But it says, for the choir director, this prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. So I did my best to get my man Josh from the Ogallala campus to come and play guitar while I'm preaching today. But apparently they need him to help lead worship out there. So he couldn't make the trip in with me. Might be a little more interesting if he did. All right. But this theme, worship in the waiting. It's found multiple times throughout the Bible, and when you're studying the Bible, when you start to see this theme that happens multiple times, that means it's something that we need to hang on to. Worship in the waiting. Go look at Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, two leaders of the early church, in Acts chapter 16, they've been preaching the good news of Jesus, they've been evangelizing, they've been spreading the good news and bringing hope to people, and they get imprisoned for it. In Acts chapter 16, while they're stuck in prison... It could have been easy for them to think, man, there's nothing we can do. We're hopeless. We're just at the mercy of of the, the people that are in authority in the government. And instead of doing that, at night they begin to worship. And God does something miraculous. We don't have time to go over it today. So this afternoon, Acts chapter 16, I encourage you to read it. Another time that we see someone worshiping in the waiting, Jesus Christ. When he gathers his disciples for the Last Supper, in the Gospel of Mark, it's recorded that after Jesus leads them through communion, before he goes out to pray, before they arrest him and crucify him, which Jesus knows all of that's going to happen, he's waiting for that to happen. Mark 14, verse 26 says that Jesus led them in a hymn, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Worship in the waiting. It's a theme that we see run throughout the Bible, and so we need to pay attention to it and begin to apply it to our own lives. Habakkuk's worship of God has a noticeable impact on him, and we're going to get to that at the end of this message. He begins singing this prayer of worship, and it's worth noting that his circumstances haven't changed. The Babylonians haven't come and conquered God's people, and then they've been delivered between chapters 2 and 3. This conquering of God's people is still yet to come, but yet we see Habakkuk is worshiping God in the waiting. And when you worship in the dark, your circumstances, they may not change immediately. Habakkuk's hadn't. But you and the way you see your circumstances can change. And sometimes that makes all the difference. Worshiping in the dark can be the catalyst for you to walk by faith rather than by sight. Worshiping in the dark shifts your focus from your circumstances to the greatness of God, which is what Habakkuk starts singing about next. Verses 3 through 15 are all about highlighting the greatness of God. He's no longer worried about himself. He's no longer worried about his circumstances. He's not questioning God. He's not bringing kind of an attitude to God of like, God, what are you doing? Are you in control or not? He begins to worship God and recall the greatness of God. Of God. Now he uses some epic lyrics in this song. And, and rather than just me try to, to paraphrase them and bring them to you, I probably would not do them justice. And so we're going to look at kind of a lengthy block of scripture here. But I want to go through this scripture because what Habakkuk is using to recall the greatness of God is really the past and what the Israelites have gone through and the, uh, the miracles that that they've seen God do in their life. 
They recall what God did to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. So let's take a look at some of these verses. Verse 3, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. And this brings to mind the different plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians so that they would let the Israelites go. He says, when he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. He's realizing that what they're going through is temporary. And as he begins to reflect and exalt the greatness of God, he's reminded that God is eternal. And their problems, their dark, are not going to be. I see the people of Kashan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. These two nations stood between the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt and the promised land where they were going. These two nations are in fear and terror of God. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You were freeing us. You were sending your chariots of freedom. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep, this, this is probably my favorite part, the mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. What do we do so often in worship? We lift our hands. We lift our hands. It's not out of a show of, look how holy I am. It's God. I'm surrendered to you. I'm submitted to you. And here it says that the mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. That's pretty epic if you ask me. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. This part right here, the sun and moon stood still. This is in reference to when Joshua prays and asks God and says, we need more time to defeat our enemy. Will you cause the sun to stand still for us? And God an answers that miraculously. And for that day, the light was lengthened so that Joshua and his army could conquer the enemy. Habakkuk is recalling all of these miraculous things of God. He's hanging on. He's grabbing a hold of the greatness of God. So when you're in the dark, grab a hold of the greatness of God. Turn to Scripture to be reminded of the greatness of God, just as Habakkuk did. Habakkuk was not alive to see all of the different steps that the Israelites had taken part in. This was not out of personal experience. He's going off of Scripture. He's going off of what he's been told about the past. When you're in the dark, grab a hold of the greatness of God. Read your Scripture. Read and, and be encouraged by the incredible things that God does to deliver his people when it, when it seems like everything is hopeless. Read about the resurrection of Jesus and that Jesus has made you new. Jesus has paid for your penalty and you have everlasting life in him. That ought to bring a little bit of hope in your darkness. Recall times in your life when God did something powerful. 
Just last week, I was reading in my journal from uh, three years ago, and I looked, and one day I had, I had written down a prayer, and the very next day, God answered it. Now, that's not always going to be the case, but as I reflected on that last week, I was encouraged that God is a God that hears our prayers, and he wants to answer our prayers. If you don't have any stories that come to mind, maybe you're new at this, Maybe you're still exploring who Jesus is and, and you don't have specific examples from your past that you can think of when God did something miraculous or God answered a prayer in your life. And I encourage you to go to another believer. Ask them to tell you a story of something God did, there, it did in their life and borrow some of that encouragement. Borrow some of their faith as they tell you about something that God did. If you're not in the dark right now, maybe you've been sitting here in this series and you've been thinking, okay, well, this is stuff that I can store away the next time I find myself in the dark. If you're in, excuse me, if you're not in the dark right now, then I encourage you to be prepared to help someone who is. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, he comforts us, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, when they are in the dark, we will be able to give them the same comfort or the same hope that God has given us. If you don't think you're in the dark right now, be prepared to help somebody who is by sharing the greatness of God. So when you're in the dark, grab a hold of him. Grab a hold of the greatness of God. The greatness of God will never change. We're looking at text that's 2,600 years old. God will never change change. And so grabbing a hold of it brings stability to our life. Earlier this week, I, I've been getting up in the mornings and I go for walks. And my wife and I, we have five kids. We just had our fifth kid last month. And so oftentimes in the morning, when number four gets up, I want to let Tiffany and our, our baby, Edge, I want them to be able to sleep a little longer. And so I've been taking the older four with me. And we go over to the river, we live kind of close to it in, in North Platte, and as we walk along the river trail, there are other dirt trails that go off of the main trail. And our oldest two, Milo and Zion, they love to take off, and they use these dirt trails as adventures. And they're convinced that at some point, they're going to like bring me some dinosaur fossil that they've found there. Or maybe there's a living dinosaur that has been hiding away. I mean, they take off, and they just love these. And it's just a little dirt trail, and goes off into the woods, and then it usually comes out just a little bit further down the trail. Well, this week, City, number four, he's not even two years old yet, he wanted to go with them. Talk about a leap of faith, letting a not even two-year-old go off with the oldest two down a trail that you can't see where they're going. And I just take off, and I go where the trail is going to empty out and hope and pray that they actually make it and they don't get eaten by a velociraptor or a T-Rex or something like that. And I saw the coolest thing happen. As they start to approach the, the trail, there's a little bit of a hill and it's kind of some sandy soil and City is trying to get up the hill and he can't make it very well. But guess who's right behind him? Milo, his older brother, and City, as he's struggling to get up the sandy soil, he reaches back and he holds on to Milo's hand. And then Milo, with his other hand, is kind of pushing him up the hill. 
He needed something that was stable to get out of the valley. When we grab onto the greatness of God, we're grabbing onto something that's stable and it's going to help us get out of the dark. God's never going to fail us. He's not going to leave us. And so grab a hold of the greatness of God. Habakkuk spends the bulk of chapter 3 singing about the greatness of God and then it hits him with this kind of startling realization about what he's been singing about. Let's take a look at verse 16. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. It's this combination of realizing just how powerful God is and also realizing the incredible stuff they're going to have to endure while still being in the dark that leave him terrified, trembling, weak in the legs. He realizes just how devastating the road ahead is. God's people will be conquered. They'll be taken into exile. Many will experience excruciating pain and even some will be killed. But I think it's interesting. He says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for you, God, to deliver us. Notice he didn't pray, God, you need to change your mind here. His prayer was, bring to completion what you need to bring to completion. When we're in the dark, sometimes we need to pray, God, don't take me out of the, the dark until you've accomplished what you want to in my life. So often we want to snap our fingers and just be done with the dark. And sometimes our prayer needs to be, God, do in me what you need to in this season. I don't want to get out of it until you've done your work. So bring to completion in me your, your perfect will. Habakkuk has a choice to make. Will he let his circumstances de determine the way he responds to God? Or will he let what he knows about the greatness of God determine how he views his circumstances? When we find ourselves in the dark, what we know and believe about God is going to determine whether we make it out of the dark or not. When you find yourself facing devastation and grief and fear and pain and anxiety, will you let your circumstances shape your response to God? Or will you let what you know and believe about God, your faith, determine how you respond to your circumstances? One way is living by sight. The other is living by faith. Habakkuk encourages us to walk by faith and not by sight. When we get so focused on our circumstances and that impacts the way we view God, that's walking by sight. That's walking by what we can see. And God is saying, I want you to walk by faith. Don't go by what you see. Go by what you know about me. Go by what you know about the greatness of me, and that is going to help you get out of the dark. We don't have to guess what Habakkuk's response was. It's found in verses 17 and 18. Let's take a look here. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, even though life is dark, even though it seems hopeless, let's see what his response is. 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Because of God's greatness, Habakkuk is choosing to worship the Lord in the face of seemingly insurmountable adversity. Despite how intimidating the dark may be, Habakkuk has found hope because he has the Lord. Today, make your own statement of faith. Even though blank, I will worship you, Lord. Even though, and fill in yours, your scenario, your dark, even though life is this way, I worship you, Lord. Even though cancer and treatment has made my body weak, I worship you, Lord. Even though depression tells me there's no hope, and it can feel suffocating at times, I worship you, Lord. Even though we have not been able to have a child, even though we've lost children, I worship you, Lord. Even though it feels like my life is out of control, even though it feels like my life is going nowhere, I worship you, Lord. Even though the physical healing I've been praying for has not yet happened, I worship you, Lord. What's your even though statement? You see, your circumstances don't change who God is. Worship while you wait for God to answer your prayer. Worship while you wonder why this is happening. Surrender yourself to the Lord and surround yourself with reminders of how good our God is. Read God's word. Don't walk through the dark alone. Worship God regularly. I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you guys are here. You guys are with us. Worship God regularly, just as Habakkuk did. Because worship takes our focus off of our circumstances and places it where it needs to be on the greatness of God. Say this with me. My circumstances don't change who God is. Say it with me. My circumstances don't change who God is. Habakkuk ends his book with this. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. As sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Habakkuk starts this book wrestling with God down in the valley. God, what are you doing? God, why is this happening? Are you hearing our prayer? He's wrestling with God in the valley, and then he ascends to his watchtower because he wants, to, he wants to position himself so he can hear from God. And he does, and he's been told to wait. And then as he begins to worship God and the greatness of God, it's as if God takes him to the mountaintop. It's this progression that we see in the book of Habakkuk. Too often we think of the mountaintop as the moment where everything is perfect in life. Where we're free of pain, we have no stress, we have no pressure, we have no challenges, we have no obstacles to overcome. We think of that oftentimes as the mountaintop. But Habakkuk presents a different type of mountaintop experience. One where you can overflow with God's peace, his joy. I mean, you can, you can just imagine, you can picture Habakkuk as he's saying these words and he's using exclamation points to, to accent his emotion that he's not down and depressed. 
He's not feeling defeated. He doesn't feel hopeless here. He's ascended up the mountain to this mountaintop experience. Your faith, you can have a mountaintop experience in your faith while the circumstances of your life are in the valley. Amen? We do not move out of the valley by staying focused on the darkness. We rise up as we understand the greatness of God and we seek to bring honor and glory to him. It's the greatness of God that helps us ascend out of the valley. It's when we worship and we surrender and we submit to him that our hearts are opened and it's a perfect opportunity for him to deposit hope into our lives. So today, what's gonna be your response as we go into worship? Let it be one of submission. Let it be one of surrender. Let it be one of proclaiming God's greatness. The amount of hope we have in the dark will be directly tied to how much we believe in and remember the greatness of God. If you find yourself in the dark, remind yourself of how great our God is. He's a source of hope that we can cling to. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a note at the end of Habakkuk. It reads, for the choir director, this prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. It's meant to be sung by a group of people. The greatness of God is to be declared by his people. If you find yourself in the dark, one of the most important things you could do is gather with other believers and worship. Because there are going to be moments where you may not be able to lift your voice. You might be overcome with emotion. You might be too choked up to lift your voice. But the voices of those worshiping God around you can provide you hope and comfort. If you're in the dark right now and you're finding it hard to worship, be encouraged by those that are around you. Be encouraged by those that are around you. Don't walk through the dark alone. So this whole series comes down to three words. Three words. Wrestle. Wrestle with God. Wrestle with Him so you can be drawn close to Him. Wait. Wait on God. His, his timing is perfect. He's never going to be early. He's never going to be late. He is always faithful. So wait on him. And then worship. Wrestle, wait, and worship. And let that worship ascend, help you move your way up to the mountain in your faith. So that despite your circumstances, you're ready to declare the greatness of God. If you're ready to worship with me, why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this series, this journey that you've had us on, recognizing that life is not always easy, that oftentimes we find ourselves in the darkness. We find ourselves feeling hopeless. We find ourselves feeling like there's nothing that we can do about our circumstances. God, I thank you for the encouragement and the hope that we find in your word that tells us a different story, that we are not hopeless because we have you. May we today be like Habakkuk and may we join together in worship and proclaiming the greatness of who you are. May we not be limited by our circumstances. 
May we not be closed off to you today. But as we lift our voices in worship, as we respond, as we walk by faith, as we proclaim the greatness of who you are, God, I pray that you would fill us with your hope. Let us know that we are not alone in the dark. We have you and we have our church. God, be glorified. Receive this worship and I pray, God, that it would please you. That as we proclaim the greatness of who you are, that you would deposit hope into our lives. That you would meet with us right here, right now, that as we bring our hearts, God, James 4, 8 says that if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. And so today, right now, we draw near to you in response to your greatness. God, we love you and we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.